Coke. <laughs> There's always the guy at the end that's, that takes two. Did you notice that? I mean, he can't just have one Coke. He's got to have two. And so he steals them and puts them behind his back. That was great. We were talking this morning about uh, the whole black and white thing. You know, for some of us, we don't remember having color TV when we were kids. In fact, some of you maybe didn't have a TV at all. Uh, all I remember for many years of my growing up was just black and white. I remember the day that Dad brought home a color TV, and, and there were people in the church thought that the pastor's family was going to hell, split hell wide open because we had a color TV. You, you don't remember things like that, but I do. Anyway, we're glad to see you here this morning. It has been a long week and a, and a difficult week on many levels. Um, I would like to take just a moment and thank each of you uh, who were there for the families who uh, uh, lost loved ones this week and prepared food and things of that nature. Uh, we had one seat over here that we reserved this morning for Miss Frida. It's got the UK banner on it and her little sweater. And, uh, I, and for those of you who were at the funeral, you know you heard me say this. There were things going on over there that I had no idea about. All, for a long time, Frida would put jelly beans in her purse when she came to church. And uh, not in the bag or anything, she'd just dump them down in, in her purse. And so when I would start preaching, in order to keep Jane here... She would reach down in her purse and grab up a handful of jelly beans and I guess feed everybody on that row over there. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, there were other things that I learned about Miss Frida as we were preparing for uh, her funeral service. But, you, you know, we mourn in the flesh and Brother Al's sister, his only sister, passed away and uh, had the funeral for her yesterday. We mourn those people when they leave, but in, in reality, because they knew Christ and know Christ today more than they've ever known Him before, we almost have to celebrate because they, they have finally achieved everything that they lived for because they lived for Jesus Christ. And so to be absent from this body we know is to be present with Him but thank you so much to all of you who were supportive through your prayers and, and by coming to the funeral, providing food, whatever you did. I just, as your pastor, I want to say thank you uh, for being involved and for loving these families through this time. I look forward to seeing them again. Amen. I, I've come too far to turn back now, and my goal is to make heaven my home. I want to see Jesus but I want to see all these uh, folks that have gone on ahead as well. So, again, thank you. Today, uh, we're kind of continuing a series that we, we, we thought we'd kick off as we begin the fall season of the year. And we've been uh, having different things each week. As you already know, next week we've got a, a thing going on with the kids. And, and we're going to talk about vision and talk about... Uh, the future of our lives and our church and, and, and all of those kinds of things. And then uh, on the 5 for 5 Sunday, I want you to be here. It's a special surprise. We're not going to talk a whole lot about it. But I'm telling you, if you miss that week, you're going to be sorry that you did. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're just trying to encourage people to get back in church. Uh, vacations are over. School has started again. And sometimes for those who have kind of gotten out of the habit during the summertime, uh, it, it, it just kind of helps pull them all back in. So I want to encourage you as you look around the church and you see maybe some empty spots, uh, pick up the phone and give them a call or send them a text or uh, maybe a private message on Facebook and just say, look, uh, I've missed you the last couple of weeks and we'd love to see you back if, you, if you'll come this week. Uh, you can come sit by me. And let's just try and encourage everyone to get right back in uh, so that our motivation can take us into the new year and what I believe God is going to do through our church in the upcoming years. Amen. Well, uh, I want to talk to you for a few moments today uh, about this idea that things go better with Coke. Now, I've already been told that we should have done like we did the one week where we, where we hung uh, uh, U of L on one side and UK on the other. It may have been switched, but at any rate, we had 50-50. Some of you have said, uh, you know, I don't like Coke. I like Pepsi. So we should have Pepsi on one side and Coke on the other side. Well, listen, if you don't like Coke, well, sorry, you're, you're, you're just sorry today because 
because all we have is Coke. Uh, but when church is over, we want you to go back there and grab a Coke out of the ice. And uh, there will be people, volunteers out there to help you. And they'll pop the top for you and, and just kind of stand around and fellowship for a little while and have a Coke together. But at any rate, if you don't like the idea that we didn't do half Coke and half Pepsi, and for the old timers that are here, how many of you remember RC Cola? Can I see your hand? Yeah. How many of you remember Diet Right? Oh, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that we could go through. Uh, but anyway, some wanted Coke on one side and Pepsi on the other. Uh, but all, all we have today is Coke, and, and it is Pastor John's fault, okay? Because he's the one who came up with this idea, let's get Cokes and put them out and all that kind of thing. So if you don't like Coke, when church is over, go up to him and say, uh, you know, you should have really... Uh, been politically correct and, and, and put Pepsi in here as well. And let me say thank you to the Hilbert family uh, for putting out uh, these decorations this morning to kind of help uh, bring us in. They worked hard and did a great job. Thank you, Stephanie and Greg. All right, well, let's get started. I, I want to talk to you about relationships today. The whole idea behind the Coke theme is that, you know, there, there are times, we, we like to just get together with other people, don't we? And just kind of fellowship with one another. Most of the time when we do that, that centers around some kind of food or fellowship. Now, that's not just my thing. That goes all the way back to the book of Acts chapter 2, when they all hung out after they got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went over to somebody's house, and they drank Coke together. Amen. And they just kind of all chipped in and started building relationships, and, and, and the church was kind of built on that idea of fellowship. So today... We want to talk about that, and we want to talk about the idea of things going better with Coke. Now, how many of you would like to see your life go better than it is going right now in terms of your relationships? Can I see your hand? Right. I, I think all of us would. There always seems to be some person or, or some entity in your home or maybe at work that seems like it's very difficult for you uh, to kind of uh, work around uh, their attitudes and, and all of that kind of thing. So we want to talk about it for just a few minutes today. Relationships are very important to us. It, we don't think about it a lot of times, but how many of you know that we are in relationship with God? I mean, we have a covenant relationship with God. It was his idea for us to be redeemed from our sins so that, we, so that our fellowship that had been broken by sin could be released from that bondage, and now we can live in relationship with him every day. No matter where I go, God is with me. He is in me. He lives within me. And he has promised to never leave me nor forsake me, and the same is true with you. And at the very beginning of creation, he decided that it would be great for us to have companionship and things of that nature. So that's my first observation today. I would like to suggest to you this morning that things go better with companionship. Now, we have been made to have companionship. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. So I will make him a helper fit for him. Now let's go ahead and get this out of the way. God didn't make a mistake when he made Adam, okay? God made no mistakes. I, you know, you've heard the old thing through the years that, you know, God messed up on the man, so he decided to make the woman so that he could correct his first mistake. It, it's not that way at all. God didn't all of a sudden wake up one day and say, boy, I really made a mistake by just putting a guy on the earth. I need a woman here as well. I better go to plan B. Let me tell you something. From the very beginning, God always intended for there to be a male and female and for us to live together in companionship. So he said, it is not good that man should be alone, so I will make him a helper fit for him. Then we come later in Scripture to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 2, and it, or excuse me, 9 through 12, and it says, two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, 
one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Here's the point. We were not made to walk alone in this earth. We were made to walk in companionship. Now let me just stop long enough to say, for those of you who may have chosen to be single, those of you who have made the choice that for this season in your life, you are going to be single, or for those who are single but not by choice, maybe you've been married and uh, your, your companion has left or passed away or, or whatever the case may be, you find yourself single today, let me just say to you, you are just as valuable as anyone in this room today. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. In fact, if you go over to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says that for those who are single you have an opportunity to be effective in the kingdom of God that far exceeds those who are married. Because he said, if you are married, you have to take into consideration the, cons the considerations and the needs of your spouse, be it a husband or a wife. And if you have children, it is your responsibility to take care of your children. But if you are single, you have an opportunity that no one else has to take that time where you don't have to meet the needs of a spouse and you don't have to meet the needs of children and you can invest, invest yourself into the kingdom of God in ways that other people simply cannot. So I want to affirm you today and let you know that if you're here today and you're in a state of singleness, uh, you're not less of a person than anyone else. You are just as important and you can be more effective in ministry and investing into the kingdom of God than anyone else can. So I, I applaud you today. Uh, but you are not made, if you are single, or to be alone or to withdraw yourself from other companions. Because we have companions on many levels. As already, I've already mentioned, God is our companion. But not only that, if you're not married, you have friends at work or in, uh, in your family. You have other family members that you are companions with. You have a church that loves you, and, and you have companions here. So you, even if you're single or even if you're by yourself right now, you are not alone. You are still in relationship because you're in relationship with God, and you're in relationship with your friends. You're in relationship with your extended family members, and you're in relationship with your church. And we love you very much. Let me assure you one thing. When you come walking into this building and you are by yourself, you are single, I am as, as excited about seeing you come in as I am anyone else that comes in here with somebody standing beside them. You are important to the kingdom of God. Hillary Clinton, in her campaign that failed, said, we are better together. Now, there's not a whole lot that I agree with as it pertains to Hillary Clinton. But she was absolutely correct when she said that. How many of you know we are better together? When we are in companionship with someone, we are better. Now listen, there are times in life we need to be alone. How many of you know that's true? There are times that I just need to be alone. There are times Paul goes fishing, probably by himself, or hunting and by himself. And there are times that I, I occasionally like to go play golf by myself. Not so that I can keep the score and erase it and change it to whatever I need to without anybody knowing. Most of the time when I go by myself, I don't even keep the score. I just, I'm just out there because I need to be alone with my thinking and with my mind. And even Jesus, from time to time, went away from the crowd and went onto the mountaintop so that he could be away from other people. But listen, one may get alone without being alone. 
Let me say that again. One may get alone without being alone. I could go somewhere and be totally by myself, but I am not alone because God is with me. My wife is in my spirit. When we became married, the scripture says that the two of us became one. That's not just a physical reference, but it means that our spirit has come together. And we are together as one. So you can get alone, but you don't have to be alone. Amen. Isn't that good news today? So things go better with companionship. Secondly... Things go better with a mindset on otherness. Let me see the hand of everyone in the house today that you are selfish. I mean, you don't think about anybody else but yourself. I mean, or or you're always thinking about your needs before you think about anyone else. How many of you know that that is absolutely opposite to the things of the kingdom of God? God wants us to be selfless. Now listen, there is truth in the fact that I have to love myself before I can love anyone else. I have to love my neighbor as I love myself. So if I'm angry with myself, if I'm hurt with myself, if I'm frustrated with myself, if if any of those things are true, then it's going to be very difficult for me to love anyone else because I can only love someone else as I love myself. So if I want to be useful in the kingdom of God and be a blessing to others, then I have to first be willing to minister to myself, to build myself up. To love myself. It's not arrogant for you to love yourself even though you can slip over into arrogance. But you've got to be willing to cut yourself some slack before you'll ever be able to cut somebody else some slack. So the scripture talks about this idea of putting others before ourselves. And you're not going to like Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4, but I'm going to use it today anyway. Are you ready? It says, do nothing. Can you say nothing? Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Should I maybe read that again? But Because nobody shouted. And I was certain that everyone would jump up and shout. Well, let me say it again. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. There you go. Now, there are some people who love the Word of God. It says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 19 says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself, say I have made myself, I have made myself a servant to all so that I might win more of them. So what he's saying here is, is that if I'm ever going to be effective in ministering to others or blessing others, I must be willing to serve everyone who is in need of service. And if I'm not willing to do that, then I am simply not Christ-like. And my selfishness is more important to me than my selflessness. And so to be like Christ, I have to be willing to put myself aside at times so that I can serve others, and so that I can be a blessing to them. You say, well, but pastor, you know, you're a preacher. You're a pastor, and wherever you go, they know that. And and they always hold you in high esteem. And and when people walk into the room and see you, if they were cussing, they stop cussing. If they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing, they stop doing it because they know you're a preacher. Let me tell you, I don't know who told you that lie, But that is simply not the way that it is. 
There are many times in my life and in ministry when I have to be willing to step into a situation that makes me personally uncomfortable, but I must be willing to go there if I'm going to be able to minister to and bless someone else. You know, years ago when I was growing up, we were taught in the church that you were not supposed to go here and you were not to associate with this one and that one. And let me just say that if you're a young Christian and you've just started walking with the Lord, I would verify the fact that you need to stay away from some people because your faith may not quite be strong enough to allow you to be effective and faithful in moments of temptation if you are surrounded by people who are leading you down the wrong path. But the goal is, is for you to become so mature in Christ and for you to be so full of the Spirit of God that wherever you go and wherever you walk and whatever situation you come into, that one of you against everybody else in the room is sufficient to be able to be a witness and challenge them to higher living. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have the power to be effective no matter where we are and no matter who is in the room. We have many problems in America today. And I would suggest to you today that many of them, if not most of them, are tied to this very issue that I'm talking to you about today. Racism, as an example, is nothing more than demonic selfishness. Can I say that again? Racism is nothing more than demonic selfishness. If I have the spirit of Jesus Christ living in me, who in the world do I think that I am to discount any nationality, any race, based on what I think should or should not be? I said it a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again. We all have the same blood flowing through us. It is royal blood. If you've been bought with the price of Jesus Christ, we are all the same. And sometimes, and listen to me, and don't don't misquote me or misunderstand me, but sometimes we have to have some natural disasters to come upon us to open our eyes to our selfishness and turn us back to loving one another and helping one another. When the eclipse took place, I was amazed. I was on my way to Cleveland, Tennessee to do some work at my house, and I could not watch the eclipse, but I turned on NPR radio, national radio, and I was listening to it, and every scientist that they got on the radio, every one of them without fail, talked about the greatness of God. Some of them didn't even want to, but they said, we don't even know how we can explain something like this in scientific terms. We know, we, we understand what we think we understand, but there's always something missing in the equation that we cannot explain. And the only way that we can explain it is because of the awesomeness of a higher power. I'm glad to know today that I know who the higher power is. Amen. It is God Almighty. And he's still running the show. Let me tell you something, when the hurricane comes in and hits a place like Houston, you forget what color skin that person next to you is. If you can climb in the boat and be saved, you're glad to be in the boat. And today it's hitting Florida. And I'll guarantee you that we will see the same thing there when people will forget about themselves. We already have people who have left their homes to go to Florida and who have already been in Houston, Texas, helping those who are in need. Let me tell you that one of the greatest things that will ever happen in your life is when you get over yourself and start considering the needs of other people as much as you consider your own. Amen. Most marital problems are a direct result of refusing to consider the needs of our mate. 
at some point in your marriage, it's always going to be you against him. It's always going to happen. At some point, it's going to be you against him. But I am thankful that we can give consideration to our mates. Trust me when I say to you, things will go better for you if you will adopt a mindset of otherness with your spouse and grab a Coke and sit down and talk about whatever it is that ails you. Thirdly, things go better with kindred spirits. Now, how many of you have learned like I have that there are some people in this world that it's hard for me to tolerate? I mean, they just get under my skin. And when they get there, they wiggle around a lot to make me uncomfortable. I mean, I, I really believe that there are some people that I don't believe I'll ever be able to get along with. He said, well, you're not a very spiritual person. No, I am. The scripture says, be at peace with all men as best as lieth within you. In other words, there are some people that you can try and try and try and try and try as you might. You cannot be at peace with those people. You just can't do it. You know why that is? It's because you don't have a kindred spirit with them. Do you know why there are multiple church denominations in the world today? We're all part of the body of Christ. We're all kingdom-minded people. But there are some people who don't believe that you should speak in tongues. And there are other people that think you ought to speak in tongues all the time. There are some that think you should sit very quietly in church. And then there are others that feel like that you just need to let her rip, Tater Chip. I was watching some of you worship today. Because, you know, a couple weeks ago, I kind of talked about why you're sitting there like dead something on a log. And, you know, and did, did you know that, you know, by just sitting there like that, that you have a, a negative effect on others who might be trying to come into, uh, to, to, in, into relationship with the Lord and need the Lord to touch them and minister to them. And they're just about there and they look around and they, they see somebody going. And then all of a sudden their mind and their focus is no longer on worship. And their mind and, no, and their focus is no longer on the Lord. But now their focus is on, I wonder what in the world's wrong with them. I wonder if they got a bellyache. Oh, I bet they got gas. That's what it is. I saw some of you out there today. I saw you. I've been watching you. I've been waiting for the Holy Ghost to move on you. And I saw a couple of you pat your right foot. I saw one person, they had their arm up like this and they went. And then I saw somebody really got full of the Holy Ghost. Because they went like this, they went. I'm telling you, we're just this close to Holy Ghost breakthrough in this house. When people start doing that and that and that, woo, it's just like being in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. It's about to break loose in here, folks. We always don't agree on things, but isn't it great that through the help of the Holy Spirit, that we can gather with people who have a kindred spirit. Philippians chapter 2 verse 2 says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And then Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Isn't it great to be with someone that you think alike and you believe alike and, and your priorities are the same and, 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 and you, you, you're just on the same page. Did you ever in your household, maybe you, you had to make a financial decision and the two of you were on separate pages on that financial decision. And one thought, well, we ought to take the money and do this. And another thought, well, we ought to take the money and do this. And someone else thought that, you know, whatever. And you could not get on the same page. Can I tell you that Donna and I have been that way many times through the years? Listen, if you've got financial decisions that have to be made, you just have to sit down at the table and look at what you have and look at what you don't have and then look at what your priorities are and then get the job done. I just recently, I, somebody said, well, you, 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 ought, you ought not be so transparent, Pastor, but I, I don't know any other way to be. It's just to show you how it is. We've been trying to get our house fixed up in Cleveland. And I, I told you the real estate wants us to do this and this and this. And there have been times that I just had to say, we're not doing that. I don't have the money for that. And I don't care if the next person has granite tops in the kitchen or not. I never had them. Who do they think they are? That they should get them and I have to pay for them. When there are things that need to be done, that have to be done. And we were recently at a place where it's kind of like we had two or three things that had to be done. And we were fresh out of cash. How many of you have ever been a fresh out of cash? Kids came by and they said, where are we going to lunch today? They said, I don't know, but you're paying. You know, we don't have any, we don't have any money. We're just strapped. We, we got, and then we just kind of looked at each other and we said, well, what are the options? It's her turn to take care of the money. When I came here and I had to take care of the money of the church, I said, I can't take care of their money and yours too. You got to take one of them. And she been, I said, what can we do? And I knew she wasn't serious. As soon as she said it, I knew she wasn't. She said, the only thing I know to do is that we could hold our tithe for the next paycheck and then we can catch our tithe up and pay two weeks at the same time that we pay one. And we just, just kind of got dead quiet at the table. And I just looked at her, and she looked at me, and we just kind of both at the same time kind of went, nah, we're not doing that. We're going to pay our tithe. Why in the world would we take ourselves out of position for blessing because God is the one who meets our needs anyway. And we paid our tithe and God came through just like we knew he would. And so I'd just like to say today, I'm glad that I have a wife where our spirits are kindred. We don't have to argue about that kind of thing. I'm glad that I pastor a church that has a kindred spirit. We're on the same page. We're moving in the same direction. We're going where God wants us to go. And we're all working together to advance this body in, in accordance with God's will for us. I was pastoring a church several years ago. And 
and it was time to put carpeting in the church, and, uh, and we needed it badly. And so I put a committee together, and I said, look, let's, let's try to get some, uh, some ideas, and we'll present it to the church. They were used to voting on everything. I mean, is it time to go to the bathroom right now? Let's take a vote right, right now. Yeah, well, we got to vote for everything. They had orange carpet that looked like people had thrown up on it for years. It was, it was terrible. It was just awful. And, 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 and so we put the committee together, and they looked at several different kinds of carpeting. And, and so they came, and they said, Pastor, we've, we've made a decision. We're down to two. And said, we'd like to have our church meeting, and we're going to put the mauve carpet. <laughs> she makes me cringe just thinking about it. That wasn't the Holy Ghost on me. That was mauve. The spirit of mauve on me. Ma- mauve carpet. And it was green, wasn't it? Wasn't it green? Some kind of yucky green. I didn't like neither one of them. But you know what? I didn't care. If they could be agreed about it, it didn't matter to me. So we let them come up. I said, I want you to come up and look at it. And they came up and they, oh, they put their hands on it and they felt of it and they, they rubbed on it and they held it up and they, you know, and then over here. And then we put a jar on both sides. And if you want to vote for the moth, put your name on a piece of paper and put it in the moth jar. And if you want green, put it in the green jar. And so they did. They voted. And would you believe that when we counted the ballots, it was 51% to 49%. Now everybody thought, praise God. It was a close game. But our side won. Hallelujah. And I'm up there thinking, I see a big church fight on the horizon. They they were known for it. It, it It wouldn't have been the first time it ever happened. And, and they needed to break that before God could ever do what God needed to do. And by the way, he was able to revive that church and restore them to health and prosperity. And I believe with all my heart, it started with carpet. Because there was a little lady right back on the backside on the left. And she, she raised her hand and she said, Pastor! And I thought, okay, here we go. We're not even going to wait till tomorrow. We're going to start right now. And she lifted her hand and she said, may I speak? I thought, you already are. Go ahead. And she said, I voted for the green. And now my spirit has really fallen. I'm thinking, oh, she's on the losing team. And she's going to ask the video replay officials to reaccount and relook at this thing. And she said, I voted for the green. But if it would be all right with you. I would like to come up and take my name out of the green jar and put it in the mauve jar because I'm more concerned about unity than I am the color of the carpet. I fell out in the spirit. Not really. But what was amazing to me is that lady started something that spread through that entire congregation. And one by one, I can, it's almost like I'm still there in this moment. One by one, Pastor Danny, they all got, all the green people got up out of their seats and they came down and they dug their names out of the green jar and they put them in the, in the mauve jar and they said, give us unity, Father. Give us unity, Father. And in that moment, uh, every, every piece of paper found its way out of the green jar and into the mauve jar. And when we closed that meeting, we had 100% of the people who had voted for the mauve carpet. What I'm telling you is, is that our ideas and our thinking may not always start at the same place. But by the help of the Spirit of God, we can move and we can change and we can redirect and we can revision what God is trying to do. And by changing ourselves at times, uh, we can come to a place where our spirits are together in unity. 
and they were surrounded by kindred people. One other thing. Things go better with encouraging and edifying words. Now, let me just start this by saying sometimes confrontation is necessary. Just because I'm trying to be an encourager or I'm trying to edify you doesn't mean that there won't be times that I have to say to you, you're my friend and I need to tell you something that you're not seeing. There's something that's manifesting in your life and it is not bringing glory to God. And I need to bring it to your attention in a soft, gentle, prayerful, loving way so that your eyes can see the problems that are being caused by your own actions and words. And so there are times that we must confront one another. If my wife is truly my wife and loves me like she says she does, there are times that she needs to say to me, Hey, Big Daddy, you need to change that. That ain't working. You need to get a different perspective on that. And because she loves me, and because I know that she cares about me more than life itself. Because I know that she's committed to my welfare. Because I know that she's committed to my maturing process. Because I know that she loves me even when I mess up big time. And I know that she's not going to leave me and walk out on me because I know those things that I can hear her words and understand that she's not trying to destroy me or harm me, but she's trying to develop me and help me become everything that God intends for me to be. So if we got to fight with somebody, let's fight like Christians. If we need to have conversations with somebody to correct some problems, let's do it with the love of Jesus Christ. Let's make sure that the end result is that they're not bleeding, laying on the ground, dying, but they've been edified and strengthened in love by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 25 and 27, through 27 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one with another. Be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I heard a preacher preaching just a couple of weeks ago, and when he, he was using this passage of Scripture, and it just came alive to me in a way that I'd never seen before. He said, as Christians... There will be times in your life when anger is appropriate. But it is never appropriate for you to let the sun go down while you're still angry. Angry, anger is designed to have time attached to it. I like that. Because what happens so many times is we get angry and then we stay angry. And now I'm angry again tomorrow. And the more that I think about it, the angrier I get. And then I'm, I'm angry a week from now. And the more I think about it, the angrier I get. And what happens is, is that a root of bitterness begins to grow up inside of us. And we can no longer worship. And we can no longer read with wisdom the word of God. And we can neither, no longer have victory in our lives. Because we have allowed a root of bitterness to come up in us. And we have given place to the devil by refusing to take care of our anger issues before the sun goes down. So the next time you get angry with someone, no matter who it is, if I read scripture right, if you're not supposed to let the sun go down on your wrath and on your anger, then you better find some way to resolve that issue in the same day that you got angry. 
My mama used to always say, son, you can get glad the same way you got mad. Just like that. And she's right. I don't have to be offended. I can choose to be offended or not offended. But it's my choice. But if I am offended, it falls my responsibility then. Have you ever prayed this? God, they made me mad. Because they made me mad. I just don't want to talk to them anymore. That's exactly when you need to talk to them. You go to them not like this. Boy, you come over here. I'm ready to go. Here we, I'm going to beat your face off and all that kind of. No, no, you don't approach like that. That you come and you say, listen, could, could, we, could we speak about this for a moment? Could we talk about this for a moment? Because I, 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 you know what you said I think I think has some validity, but but my first response to it was was negative in nature, and I don't want to go to bed like that tonight. Uh, I don't want to give place for the enemy to be able to build a root in me. So can we talk about this? And can we end this? Ephesians four, going down to verse twenty nine, it says, "Let no corrupting talk say no corrupting talk." Come out of your mouths, but only such is as good for building up and as fits the occasion that we may give grace to those who hear. Pastor, I love it when you preach the word. <clears throat> you don't bring your soap boxes to the pulpit and all that. You just put word out there because I can't argue with the word. And I can't get mad at you if you're telling me what the word says. Good job. Man, that's the word. And there's so much. It says your word should fit the occasion. I'm still mad at you from 1957. Man, you did something, said something, whatever, 1957, and I'm still upset with you. Are you going into labor, Amber? Praise the Lord. I didn't know if Amber was going into labor. Jamie is just praying for one or the, one or the other. I'm going to finish up. I'm going to finish up. I, my heart bleeds for Amber today. Listen, my words must fit the occasion, and my words must fit encouragement and be used for encouragement. So I have to hold myself accountable to that. Hebrews 10, 25. Go ahead and come on, Miss Donna. If you don't mind, if, if you don't want to, you, can, you don't have to. But, but because we have kindred spirit, I know that you will. Hebrews 10 and 25, not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some. Listen real good to this. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me ask you a question. Do you just hate it when the pastor texts you on Saturday? And says, I haven't seen you in church in a while. I'm just wondering if everything's okay. Is there anything I need to be praying with you about? Could, could I encourage you to come on back and let's get started? Is that all right? I love it when I do that and people, they, they won't even text me back. It's like, hey, I, I'm, I, I don't know if it's because I'm, I, they're angry because I did it or because they got busy with something else. Or it's because it's the same old song in tune with that preacher every time I decide to take time off from church. As your pastor, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there, and after I can't think of a better time to do it than when we're gonna drink Coke together here in just a few minutes. Parents, you need to get your kids to church. I, I just don't know any other way to tell you that you're missing some wonderful opportunities if you don't bring them to church. You say, well, you know, but they're in, in this sport and they're in that activity and they're in that and this and that. I get it. Listen, 
The world is not going to respect the time that has historically been the churches. And so you are going to have to make a decision as to whether or not it is a priority for your child or not. Let me remind you that the scripture says, if you grow them up, if you train them in the way they should go when they're old, they will have developed habits that they will not depart from. You say, well, you know, during the summertime, Pastor, we don't normally come because, you know, the splash pads are open. And we can take our kids to the splash pads, and it's great. I love splash pads. I like to just stand right over the spray of water and just let, you know, just let it get my back of my legs. I know where some of your minds were. When, when, you, get my, when you get my age, you need to sit in a jacuzzi every now and then, and I don't have one, so I, we can just go to the splash pad and just kind of sit there and I can't bring my kid to church because the splash pad is open. I can't bring my kid to church during the summertime because did you know the sun doesn't even go down till 9 o'clock and that's quality time with my children. So we can't make it on Wednesday night. We just can't do it. I'm sorry, Pastor. But then we'll be back when school starts. Oh, really? Then... Well, we can't be there this week because, you know, they got football practice and then they got band practice and then they got a concert and then, and then they got to do homework. And my, my child has to have their beauty rest. And they have to be in by 7.30 or 8 o'clock. They got to be in bed. Let me tell you something just as directly and as full as lo of love as I know. And I'm trying to edify you. I'm not angry with you, but I'm trying to say to you that you need to get your kids in church so they can develop the habits that will remain with them long after they can't play those sports any longer. Because I'll bet you a plug nickel 25 years from now, there won't be any of our children in this church that are in the major league. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I'm just saying at least rotate every other week. Say, why are you saying that? Because when you come and when your children come, they build relationships with one another and you are an encouragement to other people within the body of Christ. Did you know that when you walk in the back door, that people's heart rates begin to race? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, there they come. They're coming into the house of the Lord. I'm so encouraged by them being here today. It just lifts my spirit when that individual comes in. A few weeks ago, Sister Dorothy had to go up and be with her, her sister for a few weeks. Where was it? Ohio. I started to say Pennsylvania, but it's Ohio. I'm glad it wasn't Pennsylvania for your sake. Amen. It's Ohio instead. But she had to be gone. And people started coming in and said, where's, where's Dorothy? Yeah, is Dorothy okay? Is she sick? She didn't die, did she? Where is she? I mean, we can't have church without, without Dorothy here. Where's Dorothy? I said, be all right. She'll be here in just a few weeks. And the first day that you came back, I don't know, people just start coming up. Something feels different in here today. I'm telling you, it feels light. It feels happy. I came ready to worship today. And then all of a sudden, they saw Dorothy and they said, that's the reason I feel the way that I do. Miss Dorothy is back. Let me tell you something. If you can be an encouragement to someone just by showing up, then why wouldn't you do that? I want to encourage you as we move into this fall season. I want to encourage you to prioritize the church. The scripture says, just told us, that as we see the day approaching toward the coming of the Lord... It's even more important that we gather together as the family of God. I need you, church. I need you. I can't do what I need to do if I don't have you. And you may not want to hear this, but you need me too. And for you to get where you need to be, you need to have a pastor in your life who loves you and cares about you and will encourage you and edify you with the Word of God. I love you. 
and I need you. I want you to stand with me this morning. And here's how I want to close this service today. I would, I would like to ask everyone who is here today. Now, if you invited a friend, I want you to bring your friend with you. But if you didn't invite a friend, then bring someone who is your friend. It may be your husband. It may be your wife. It may be your nephew. It may be whoever. And I want you to grab them. And I want you to come down here and stand in this altar with me together. Things go better, Marlo, with Coke. I'm thankful for companionship, aren't you? I'm thankful that we can develop a mentality of otherness where we're thinking about others more than ourselves. I'm thankful that we can be with people with kindred spirits where it just clicks. I mean, it just clicks. And I'm glad to have people around me in this body of believers that are edifying and encouraging. They're not negative. But they lift me up and they encourage me. I had a lady I pastored several years ago. I know they're still coming, so I'll just visit with you a minute. I won't tell you what her name is, but we went to the church. And I mean from day one, she, she acted like she just hated my guts. I, I, mean, I couldn't do anything right. I don't know if you've ever known anybody like that. But I couldn't even walk in the church the right way. I mean, she was my thorn in the flesh. I couldn't preach right, couldn't sing right. Always something wrong with my kids. They didn't dress right, they didn't look right. She told my wife one day, she said, now if you're going to live in our parsonage, she said, you have to have the blinds at this level in every window that is visible from the street. Now, you don't say stuff like that to my wife. She'll go around. She'll set every one of them at a different height just, to, just for spite. I mean, this lady was a piece of work. You know anybody like that, but we didn't stay there very long. The overseer called and he said, I need you to go down here to this other city and plant this church. And back in the day, you didn't question the overseer. The overseer said it, you just did it. But deep inside, I was going, Hallelujah. <laughs> to the Lamb of God. So we got up that Sunday and we said, Look, uh, the overseer's called and he's. He's asked us to go down and plant a church in another community. And, and, and so we're going to have to leave and pack up and, and go. And we got to go. That lady, I promise you, as sure as I'm standing here, she came up after church and she threw her arms around me and liked to squeeze the life out of me. Weeping and crying and gnashing of teeth. And holding me close. <laughs> Pastor Baker, don't leave. You're the only pastor I've ever had that actually stood up to me. Every week that you preached, I went home and I thought he was preaching to me. I need to change that in my life. She said, before you leave, I want my husband to talk to you. And he came over and he said, my wife wants you to stay. He said, how much would it cost? He said, I'll pay your salary out of my pocket. I said, thank you, sir. I'm gone. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy, though, how God brings people together. We may not start at the same place. We may not be in the same kindred place. But if we're open to the moving of the Spirit in our lives, He can bring us from where we are to each other so that we can be effective in the kingdom of God. Here's what I want us to do as we close today. 
I want you to pray for that person to your right and to your left. I don't know what their needs might be. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit knows. And He can direct your prayer as to how you need to pray for them. And then after you have prayed for your neighbor, I want us to pray for all of the victims in Houston and and in Florida. And I want us to pray for those hurricanes that are still off the coast and making their way to landfill. And I want us to pray that God will redirect those storms and send them back out into the ocean. I want us to pray for the people in Mexico who lost life and everything that they own with an 8.2 earthquake this week. I want us to pray for the individuals on the west coast of the United States of America who have lost everything that they have to wildfires as it sweeps across our nation. You say, Pastor, why are all of these things happening? I'll tell you why. Because it won't be long before the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come again. And he said in the last days there will be signs in the heavens. He said, but when those things begin to happen, don't be fearful, don't be afraid, but lift up your head and look to the sky because the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Jesus Christ is coming again. And if he must use these things to turn men and women's hearts to him, then I pray that there will be a holy conviction that will come across our nation and that men and women will receive Christ as their Savior. You say, well, Pastor, what if they lose everything? That's okay. As long as they have Jesus, they have everything. When you get to the place where I'm all you have, you'll find I'm all you need. Isn't that great? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for these individuals that have come here today and these that are standing in this altar. Lord, we have men and women to our right and to our left that are brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, I'm certain that they have various needs in their lives. There are some here in this house today that they've received bad reports from their doctor. But Lord, I'm glad that you are the great physician and that by your stripes we are healed. And so I pray for them today that you would strengthen their bodies and strengthen them. Heal their bodies. Lord, whatever sickness or disease that they may be fighting must succumb to the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray healing over them. Lord, I pray for those who are going through difficult times with their finances. Lord, I pray that you'll release blessing into them. That as they become givers and tithers, that you will open up the heavens and pour out blessings upon them that they cannot contain. Lord, I pray for discounts for men and women in this house that are going to have to make purchases and make financial decisions. I pray that you will put them in touch with car dealers and and with contractors and with physicians who will say, I normally get this much money to do this process or procedure, but for you, I feel like I need to do it for this lesser amount. And I pray that discounts will come their way. Father, I pray for those who are discouraged and depressed and overcome with oppression today. I pray that you will allow the joy of the Lord to rise up within them and let them realize that if I can make it through this day, I can make it through tomorrow and the next day and the next day because every day my Father pours out fresh mercy upon me and all I have to do is just gather it up and gather it in. So, Lord, I thank you. And, Lord, I pray for those who are spiritually dry today. Lord, there are men and women in this house today that they've asked the question recently, will these bones live again? 
It may look like that they're dead and dried up and it's all over for them. But Lord, help them to see that it's never over as long as the Spirit of God is alive and active in our lives. And I pray that you will blow your spirit over them and awaken their spirits to new spiritual realities. Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, together we come to you against these storms. Lord, I pray for those in Houston that have already been devastated by the effects of Harvey. Lord, I pray that you will give them favor and they will be restored quickly and, 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 and that it will be better in the end than it was in the beginning. The churches that have been destroyed and the churches uh, that have been closed, Lord, I pray that you'll raise them back up again. Lord Jesus, you told them in the New Testament, you destroy this temple. In three days, I'm going to raise it back up. You were talking about yourself. But Lord, if you can do that, you can certainly help these individuals raise up their facilities so that they can continue to bless others. Bless those who have lost their homes. Bless those who have lost their jobs. Bless those who have lost their finances. Bless those who have lost loved ones by death. Bless them, Father, in Jesus' name. And I pray for those in Florida today that you'll keep your hand of protection upon them. That you will gather them Father, under your wings like a mother hen would gather her chicks and that you would keep them safe in your care and your keeping. And Lord, I pray that old Irma will just take a turn and just go back into the ocean and the one following will follow into the ocean and the others following will follow their path. God, you are our provision and you are our protection. I thank you for what you're going to do. I pray for every individual who's lost everything to wildfire, Father. I pray that you'll raise them back up. I pray that in this moment when it looks like that the enemy has taken everything from them, that they will realize that their hope is in you. And if their hope is in you, there's nothing too difficult and too hard for you. Restore them, Father. Restore them. Lord, for those individuals in Mexico who have lost because of the earthquake. Lord, I pray that you would restore to them their goods, their family, that you will allow their latter days to be better than their beginning, Father. And then when it is all said and done, they will be blessed more than they've ever been blessed before. And Father, as we close this time of prayer, I'm reminded of the words of my friend Mike Coleman who is fighting the hurricane even as we speak, who is facing total devastation in his home, in his family, and in his church, and yesterday made this declaration. I choose to expect the best when life is at its worst. And Lord, we stand in agreement with him today. And we choose to expect the best when life is at its worst. Protect them and keep them in your care. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, before we leave, I know many of you, you like to run out of here just as fast as you can go.